fear where terror is homegrown. Join us as we take a drive down dusty back roads and discover the obscure and dark history of this country, human and otherwise, that lurk in your backyard. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of State of Fear Podcast. I am your host, Chris, and with me as always, of course, my co-pilot, James, the man, the myth, the legend. What's up, everybody? How's y'all doing this evening? Man, I am doing well. How are you doing this evening, James? I'm all right, man. How are you doing? Man, I do all right. I'm all right. You know, I'm doing Good. some things here and there, some things. Uh, man, I am super excited about this week's episode because... Um, it is an exorcism. We haven't covered exorcism. We have yet. not done one of these yet. And it's not the exorcism of uh, Rolando, who was part an inspiration for the exorcist. It's not the exorcism of, of Annalise, which is the other the other movie. Yep. Um, so it's a lesser known exorcism, but uh, one that um, not only was it written down, but one of the um, priests that was there as a witness wrote a booklet about it. So uh, we're going with the theme of exorcism, James. Um, obviously, you've seen The Exorcist. Yes, I have. Have you seen all three Exorcist movies? I well, we I seen I've seen two. You've I don't seen... believe I've ever seen the third one. Let me take that back a little bit. We actually there are actually uh, five Exorcist movies. Because oh, good God! There's a uh, one, two, The Heretic. There's three, um, and then they released two prequels um, about ten or so years ago that were both pretty terrible. Yeah, but they were prequels to the original Exorcist. But um, yeah, three, three is a pretty good one. It, it uh, has you know very little to do with the first two and the fact that it doesn't have anything to do with Reagan. Um, oh, it's all about uh, the one of the fathers and a a killer who is possessed by the spirit of of somebody. I don't know. Anyway, um, but yeah, we saw two. Two is terrible. <laughs> Two is yeah. absolutely horrible. Two is horrible, yeah. We reviewed that on our other project, yes. if y'all ever want to go catch that one. Um, have you seen any of the other Exorcist movies that they've released in the past 16,000 years? I believe I saw the Emily Rose. Okay. Um, I, The Conjuring. I think there was some possession Some possession going on there, yeah. yeah. Uh, but not really, no. Yeah, I, uh, you haven't seen The Last Exorcism? The Last Exorcism. It's like a, a, a found footage type movie. Um. Yeah, it sounds familiar, but I also saw the, uh, the I think it's called, the is it The Right? Oh, with uh, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins, yes. I did see that yes. one. Yeah, uh, there's been quite a few. So I guess uh, I did. I've seen more of them than I thought, I guess. And there's a whole slew of like direct-to-video-on-demand uh, ones as well. So I yeah. mean, it's this this uh, sort of genre or subgenre of horror is, is full of these damn movies. Yeah, um, but, but nothing beats the real thing. And nothing beats the original, man. The Exorcist nope. was, man. The, the original Exorcist was bone chilling, and and then it was in the class by itself, all by itself. Nothing yeah. else they've ever done since has ever touched it. Mm-hmm. And even even at the time, was it seventy three? Was it? Yeah, seventy three. Mm-hmm. And even in modern times, they can't touch that movie with all the special effects and all the crap. And uh, speaking of which, you know, uh, there's a I don't know if you've uh, if you've come across the channel, uh, the Shutter channel. 
They have mm. a five-part documentary series called Cursed Films, in which they talk about different films that have had curses on them. Of course, one we discussed in our other show, uh, The Poltergeist Curse. Yeah, that's right. Um, they also go over The Omen. They go over the Twilight Zone, the movie. Uh, they go over... Um, and they go over the exorcist as well. Yeah. Um, See, the thing is, you you messing with something there. You know, you messing with some pretty uh, deep stuff. You know. Well, it was it was it wasn't it wasn't at least as far as a curse goes. It's not so much that, you know, it, it opened up something or awoken something. It was just the fact that the director of the exorcist was just such an asshole that, um, <laughs> like he he in order to scare people, he would fire blanks on yeah. set. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had that. Uh, matter of fact, I put that in one of our feeds for, right. for the yeah. for the podcast. I put it in there. They used blank shotgun mm-hmm. shells to keep everybody on edge and scared. Yeah, and the uh, infamous scene where um, Reagan is being flipped forward and back. You know, they had uh, Linda Blair on a rig, and during that particular scene, uh, that whole time when she's crying and freaked out, she's actually hurt. She hurt I think herself. it broke her rib or something. No, didn't it, like it. it Messed up one of her discs in her back. Digging in her back, yeah. Yeah, but Bless that her that that her crying is actually real, and they kept it in the movie because yeah. the director's just that that kind of guy. No. Um, and then the scene where she throws her mother against the wall, the the stunt guy who had her rigged up, um, you know, they the way they tell it is they were going to go on a certain number, but the director told the rig guy to go two seconds earlier, and really yank it, and so. They really yanked her, and she really hit her head hard. Jeez. And, uh, yeah, and then, of course, there's the infamous uh, uh, knowledge that uh, they legitimately froze the room yeah. to make it cold so you could see their breath. Yep. Sorry, their breath. Their breath. Uh, so, yeah, so th- there's <laughs> there's a lot of lot of uh, crazy things that are, that are not supernatural that went on with that uh, yeah. exorcist uh, uh, production. But, but they, they still dangerous nevertheless. Yeah. 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 Uh, so today we are going to cover Iowa. I guess we have to get to the state, right? State uh, episode number episode fifteen. Fifteen. Iowa. Iowa, home of Captain Kirk. Oh, that's, that's my boy. That's right. That's, that's right. My boy. We will be covering the exorcism of Emma Schmidt, which took place in the early part of the nineteen hundreds. <laughs> But before we do that, why don't we get to James's weird news of the day? <laughs> James, give me the I've weird news. Got a good story for you today. What do you have? <laughs> what do you got, buddy? This today's uh, story comes from USA Today, dated May 9th of 2020. And the uh-huh. title of the article is Beast of Dartmoor Fears After Dog Walker finds huge clawed paw prints in the mud. Sweet. All right. I'm like, yeah. At least they didn't see them being created. That's true. That'd be probably scarier. There are fears the Beast of Dartmoor has been roaming from the National Park during the peace and quiet of the lockdown. Seems to be a theme these days with animals. After four huge clawed paw prints were found in the mud. 
Dog walker Brett Bennett stumbled across the massive imprints and says his lurcher Calba was being unnaturally inquisitive, as if something were there or had been there. Well, that's the way dogs are. They smell stuff for days. Yeah, they're very inquisitive. Anyway, Brett says Calba has recently been coming across the legs of deer in their favorite woods more frequently than usual. Cool. And with the paw print find, he is no longer dismissing his pooch's discoveries. With the woods in question, Holbeam Wood and Newton Abbott, South Devon, being only five miles from Dartmoor National Park and unusually quiet due to the coronavirus lockdown, Brett has been less speculating about what he may have uncovered. The mystery of the Beast of Dartmoor is one of several local tales of big cats lurking in the moors across Devon and Conwell. Stay clear of the moors. <laughs> Stick to the roads. <laughs> along with the Beast of Bodmin and the Beast of Exmoor. How, good Lord. Yeah, they got a lot of beasts over there, man. A lot of, uh, a lot lot of werewolf legends. A lot of beasts. Yeah. Brett told Devin Live, quote, These woods aren't used very much at the moment due to lockdown, and it's only about a five-mile walk from here to Dartmoor. So when I saw the prints, it made me think. So I sent the photos to my partner, and she said that there had been sightings around this area before. That made me think that maybe I'd come across something I had no idea about. Brett thought the prince could have belonged to a big dog such as a Doberman. Uh, not by those pictures. <laughs> I know. But the four very distinct claws do not match that of a dog. Yeah, we're looking at the picture right now, and, uh... <laughs> yeah. Quite massive. Uh-huh. This is huge. I mean... We can't really get too much of an idea of scale, but they still look quite large. They're zoomed in on it, but it's bigger. If you're a fairly large man, it's as big as a, as a large man's hand, probably. Yeah. They're basically way too big to be a dog. Often, when walking in Holbeam Wood, Brett and Calva stray from the main walkway, heading further into the shrubbery for a more interesting walk. I just want to do a Monty Python thing. I can't help it. That's fine. This is where he spotted the paw prints, and after finding and photographing the prints, Brett decided to check the main walkway to see if there were dogs around that would have left such a print. He added, quote, when I saw the prints and the distinct claws, I immediately thought they were big cat's paws, like a lynx or a puma or something. I second-guessed myself to start with, but it did make some sense because the trail I was on is a natural animal trail. My dog was definitely being unnaturally inquisitive as well, as if something was there or had been there. There have been numerous alleged sightings of big cats across Devon and Cornwall, and the topic is widely debated. Yeah, I don't know what would be scarier for me to come across a giant dog or a giant cat, because cats can climb trees. Cats can climb trees, and they are way more aggressive. Oh my gosh, and it's like the lynxes are like... It's yeah. just little guys. Yeah, I have to carry a pistol when I hike in the mountains because lynxes, I don't ever want to shoot to kill, but you shoot to frighten because they are not scared. Now, they will avoid you like other animals usually, mm -hmm. but there have been too many stories of 
people getting yanked off bikes, yeah. mountain bikes and stuff, yeah. and their bodies are gone. Cats drag them off and eat them. Yeah. I mean, it happens. Cats I mean, are cats are nasty and mean. Li- lynx are not anywhere near as big as like pumas or cougars, but they're no. just as vicious. Lynx are about the size of a very large house cat. Very big house cat, maybe a little maybe about twice as size, maybe about a 20 they're about a 20 pound animal. They're, yeah. they're pretty good size, but yeah. you don't want to mess with them, man. Oh, they're man, mean they little vicious. boogers. Gorgeous is all get out, but they are vicious. Absolutely. I'd like to have one, but but anyway, that is the story. Cool so, story, man. Yeah, I always love hearing about uh, you know, beasts of different parts of England. Oh, see, like, this, and then this like you said here Stuff is coming out of the woods now because mm-hmm. humans are on lockdown. That's right. So what's going to happen when it's not so locked down? It ain't going to be the Rona getting people. It's going to be a, a Black beasts. Panther or something jumping out of trees getting somebody. The Beast of Dartmoor. The Beast. But I love the, the way, And I love those animal names. I love the way they call them Beasts of oh, this I know, and Beasts right? of that. Yeah. <laughs> they and they're just great a, names. They're a big cat, but yeah. yeah, they just give them a you know, scary name. I mean, here here in the U.S., we call them things like phantom cougars or phantom pumas. Now, yeah. over there, it's like the Beast of Exmoor Lane or, you know, something really cool <laughs> and fancy, you know. Over beast here. of Cumbria. Over here. There's damn, there's damn cougar in the backyard. Man, we got a phantom yeah. cat and about to get me a burrito, but there's a phantom cat back there. But That's over right. there, like, oh, watch, stay stay away from the moors. You might run into the Beast of Cumbria. I was consuming my bangers and mash on the moors, and I was sitting there watching. Yeah, just, so cool, man. Beast. So cool. Yeah. Let's just head back to the slaughtered lamb. What do you say? <laughs> Sounds like a plan to me. Yep. The devil went down to Iowa. In the summer of 1928, a battle between good and evil was taking place in a small town 120 miles west of Des Moines, Iowa. For 23 days, the town of Erling would play host to the devil in the form of possession of Emma Schmidt, a.k.a. Anna Eklund. Now, Anna Eklund was a name that they gave her initially to uh, help keep her identity secret so that the case would not gain, or if it did gain widespread publicity, uh, she would not be sought out. Yeah, I was going to say they that's probably what it's protecting her. Right. While this case is significant for being an unusually long time for an exorcism, and we'll get more into that, what's more significant is that this would be the second time in 16 years that Schmidt would require the devil to be removed from her body. Good Lord, woman. It's been said that part of the inspiration for William Peter Blatley's The Exorcist novel was taken from this case in addition to The Exorcism of Roland Doe in 1949. Even more interesting, this case was also featured in an issue of Time Magazine on February 17th, 1936. Wow. So let's get into... And I'm going to tell you what, back then, you did not hear stuff like that much. It was, I mean, it was, when I, I looked up the uh, the article, the issue anyway, and I looked through the table of contents, and it was damn near at the bottom. So, I mean, they had all this other, you know, more wow. other stuff, this political stuff, you know, uh, science stuff, but then at the very bottom under the religion section. Oh, yeah, exorcism. It. Yeah. Jeez. All right, let's get into the nitty gritty of it. So, Emma Schmidt was born March 23rd, 1882 in Wisconsin. She was raised a devout Catholic by her parents who were German immigrants. She was a highly devoted and religious girl up until the age of 14 in 1896. That is when she began to experience sinister inner voices that would tell her to stay away from God. 
They kept her from praying, from going to church, and they insisted she do things that would bring shame in the eyes of the church. Schmidt was seen and tested again and again for any medical, social, or psychological condition that would account for her personality change. For the next 16 years, she would be repulsed by Holy Communion and would express the desire to attack priests and try to destroy the church. A witness to the event, Reverend Carl Vogel, wrote an account in the 1935 booklet, Be Gone, Satan. Vogel noted that, quote, Many doctors had this case in charge for years, and the woman was finally examined by the best specialist in the profession. But their thorough examinations resulted in the unanimous conclusion that the woman in question did not betray the least sign of nervousness, that she was normal in the fullest sense. There was not the slightest indication suggesting physical illness, her undeniable and unusual experiences could not be accounted for. As the doctors could not help her, it was thought to see results in another field. Four years later, in 1912, when Emma was 30, Father Theophilius Resinger was called in to perform an exorcism. According to Begone Satan, Resinger stated that Schmidt would react violently to blessed items and was able to speak in tongues she was not learned in, Latin, German, Hebrew, Polish, and Italian. Not much else is on record regarding this first exorcism, but it's believed to have worked as for the next 20 years she was once again a devout Catholic who seemed to be living a normal life. That all changed in 1922 when Schmidt was 40, as she began to once again experience the repulsion of all things religious or holy that plagued her when she was 14. After six more years of trials and observations, Father Resinger returned to Iowa to perform the act of exorcism on Schmidt once more. He asked local Reverend Joseph Steiger and Erling if the exorcism could be performed there in the hopes of keeping it from getting out into the public view. The exorcism would be performed in three stages between August 18th and December 22nd of 1928 with the Covent of the Franciscan Sisters just outside of town. You telling me four months? August, September. Three months. Wow. Yeah, three months. Yeah, it was, again, it was Man. known as being a very, very long exorcism. Jeez. The ritual began with Schmidt being placed on a mattress on an iron bed and having her arms and legs bound to the bed to, quote, prevent any devilish tricks. <laughs> the strongest I don't nun... mean to laugh, but I was like, devilish tricks? <laughs> devilish tricks. The strongest nuns were selected to assist in case anything might happen. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm picturing... I'm, I'm picturing four six-foot nuns coming in there. Get down. I am picturing uh, four WWE diva... <laughs> uh, divas in like none outfits but with like no sleeves yeah yeah like china style big big yeah. giant arms mm -hmm. and stuff As well it's no joke because these possessed people they exist have freak it freakish strength yeah i mean as they the adrenaline spikes and they can throw people literally across rooms and things and i would say that the strongest nuns may not have been too far from what we imagined strictly because it was a um, german immigrant town you know and, and german women are, are known to be quite uh, they're actually more bigger. physical they're, yeah they're taller they're very tough they're yeah. very stocky and they're very tough yeah. oh yeah as it was believed the devil might attempt an attack during the exorcism once the pre-ritual prayers began, Schmidt fell into a state of deep unconsciousness and remained that way until the exorcism began. Immediately after it began, Schmidt pulled herself free of the bonds and threw the nuns off of her. It was reported by all witnesses that she then flew off the bed, through the air, and landed on the wall above the door and clung to the wall with a tenacious grip. Okay. And see, so this is where you get that whole, like the... 
the Conjuring story, you know, the Conjuring movie where people crawling on the walls and stuff like that. What this immediately reminded me of, or made me think of, was the poster for Last Exorcism because it has the girl up in the corner of the uh, room clinging to the wall. She's all contorted. Yes. Yes. The nuns pulled her down off the wall and back down to the bed and tied her once more again, at which point she began to howl like an animal and convulsed until her body was distorted into inhuman shapes. Wow. Anytime she was approached by blessed items, she would repulse and curse God. In between prayer sessions, they attempted to feed Schmidt in order to keep her health up, but found that she refused to ingest any food that had been blessed. The food was never blessed in front of her, but yet she somehow knew which food had been blessed and which hadn't, only eating that which had not. Dang, that's uh, that's something else there. That's... You sense that the food has been blessed. You know, it, or you know, cursed, or whatever the make you know. Yeah, it's uh leads to more um, possible explanation that she is possessed. How, you know? though? You just throw a raw meat and deal with it. I mean, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> After an extended period in which she refused to take any food, Schmidt began to expel large amounts of quote unusually foul smelling vomit, oh. green vomit, and waste. Indeed, the amount of excrement that the young woman emitted was unnatural, as quote. From the 10 to 20 times a day, this wretched creature was forced to vomit, though she had taken at most only a teaspoon of milk or water by way of food. And nuns were busy removing bucket after bucket of the green vomit and waste. Now, see, that's... Damn. Exorcist, exorcist there right there. The, exorcist. The, the, the soup. I'm, I'm guessing this is probably, like you said, they took it from it. Yeah. That is... <laughs> <laughs> At one point during the exorcism, a lump the size of a pea was observed moving underneath her skin. Oh, hell no. (laughs) Her entire body then began to swell to an enormous size, and the nuns feared she would burst. Holy hell. Her head swelled and turned red, her eyes bulged, and her lips swelled to twice their normal size. (laughs) Now, the following text has been taken directly from the booklet, Begone Satan. During this exorcism, it was necessary to find out definitely whether the exorcist had to deal with one or more devils. It was also important for the exorcist to insist upon getting control over the person and dispossessing the devil. On various occasions, there were different voices coming out of the woman which indicated that unnumbered spirits were here involved. There were voices that sounded bestial and most unnatural, uttering an inexpressible grief and hatred that no human could reproduce. Again, voices were heard that were quite human, breathing an atmosphere of keen suffering and indicating bitter feeling of disappointment. As is common in such experiences, Satan can, through the solemn exorcism of the church, be forced to speak and to give answer. Usually, though, I've never heard of it being actually Satan, usually one of his cronies. Yeah. It's, I think there have been a couple of uh, cases where it's supposedly Satan himself or Lucifer himself has been found to be one of the possessing devils. I wouldn't think he'd stoop to such low level as to inhabit a human body because he detests us so much. It's a good point. But what better way to um, defile that which God loves by... Getting inside of it and twisting, and twisting it, around it around and saying yeah, vile Making it crap. suffer. Yeah. yeah. Very true. And finally, he can also be forced to speak the truth, even though he is the father of lies from the very beginning. Naturally, he will try to mislead and to sidetrack the exorcist. It is also a common experience that Satan at first does his utmost to sidestep the questions with clever, witty evasions, direct lies, shrewd simulations. When Satan was asked in the name of Jesus 
the crucified Savior, whether there were more spirits involved in the possession of the woman, he did not feign in the least, but boastfully admitted that there were a number of them present. As soon as the name of Jesus was mentioned, he began through the woman to foam and howl like a wild, raving animal. This ugly bellowing and howling took place every day, and at times it lasted for hours. How that that would just be, you know, nice cold bone chilling, man. Yeah, That's crazy. I mean, as an exorcist, you have to have nerves of steel to ignore that. <sighs> at times, it sounded as though a horde of lions and hyenas were let loose. Then again, as the mewing of cats, the bellowing of cattle, and the barking of dogs, a complete uproar of different animal noises would also resound. This was at first so taxing on the nerves of those present that the twelve nuns were forced to take turns at assisting in order to save themselves and to have the necessary strength to continue facing the siege. Now, what uh, what comes next is a verbatim transcript of the demons naming themselves. Performed by the State of Fear players. Dun, 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 dun. The Exorcist. In the name of Jesus and his blessed mother, Mary the Immaculate, who crushed the head of the serpent, tell me the truth. Who is the leader or prince among you? What is your name? Devil, barking like the hound of hell, replies, Beelzebub. You call yourself Beelzebub. Are you not Lucifer, the prince of devils? No, not the prince, the chieftain, but one of the leaders. You are therefore not a human being. But are you one of the fallen angels, who, with selfish pride, wanted to be like unto God? Devil with grinning teeth replies, Yes, that is so. Ha! How we hate him! Why do you call yourself Beelzebub if you are not the prince of devils? Enough! My name is Beelzebub. From the point of influence and dignity, you must rank near Lucifer, or do you hail from the lower choir of angels? I once belonged to the seraphic choir. What would you do if God made it possible for you to atone for your injustice to him? Are you a competent theologian? How long have you been torturing this poor woman? Since her fourteenth year. How dared you enter into that innocent girl and torture her like that? Ha! Did not her own father curse us into her? But why did you, Beelzebub, alone take possession of her? Who gave you that permission? Don't talk so foolishly. Don't I have to render obedience to Satan? Then you are here at the direction and command of Lucifer? Well, how could it be otherwise? Father Theophilius in indeed was anxious to know why the father had cursed his own daughter. But he only received a curt, uncivil reply. You can ask him. Leave me in peace for once. Is it then the father of the woman also present as one of the devils? Since when? What a foolish question. He has been with us ever since he was damned. A terrible sneering laughter followed, full of malicious joy. <laughs> then I solemnly command in the name of the crucified Savior of Nazareth that you present the father of this woman, and that he give me an answer. A deep, rough, voice announced itself, which had already been noticed alongside the voice of Beelzebub. Are you the unfortunate father who has cursed his own child? No. Who are you then? I am Judas. What? Judas? Are you Judas Iscariot, the former apostle? Thereupon followed a horrible, woeful, prolonged, Yes, I am the one. 
This was howled in the deepest bass voice. It set the whole room quivering so that out of the pure fright and horror, the pastor and some of the nuns ran out. Then followed a disgusting exhibition of spitting and vomiting as if Judas were intending to spit at his lord and master with all his might, or as if he had in mind to unloose his inner waste and filth upon him. Finally, Judas was asked, What business have you here? To bring her despair, so that she will commit suicide and hang herself. She must get the rope. She must go to hell. Is it then a fact that everyone that commits suicide goes to hell? Rather not. Why not? Ha! We devils are the ones that urge them to commit suicide, to hang themselves, just as I did myself. Do you not regret that you've committed such a despicable deed? A terrible curse followed. Let me alone. Don't bother me. With your fake god, it was my own fault. Then he kept on raving in a terrible manner. When the prayer of exorcism was renewed, the demon Jacob, not a fallen angel, but a human damned to hell, made his appearance with a healthy, manly voice. As in the case of Judas, one could detect at once that he had been a human being. Which Jacob are you? asked the exorcist. The father of the possessed girl. Later developments disclosed the fact that he had led a frightfully coarse and brutal life, a passionately unchaste and debased life. He now admitted that he had repeatedly tried to force his own daughter to commit incest with him, but she had firmly resisted him. Therefore he had cursed her, and wished inhumanely that the devils would enter into her and entice her to commit every possible sin against chastity, thereby ruining her body and soul. He also admitted that he did not die suddenly, but that he was permitted to receive the sacrament of extreme unction. But this was of no avail because he scoffed at and ridiculed the priest ministering the sacrament to him. Later in the exorcism, he made the following explanation. Whatever sins he had committed in this life might still have been forgiven him before death, so that he could have been saved. But the crime of giving his own child to the devils was a thing that finally determined his internal damnation. Even in hell, he was still scheming how to torture and molest his child. Lucifer gladly permitted him to do this. And since he was in his own daughter, he was not, despite all the solemn prayers of the church, in the least disposed to give her up or leave her. But you will obey. The power of Christ and the blessed trinity will force you back into the pit of hell where you belong. Then followed a loud roar and protest. No, no, only spare me that. As the prayers of exorcism continued, Jacob's mistress, who was in hell with him, also had to face the ordeal and give answer. Her high-pitched voice, almost a falsetto, had already been noticed among the many other voices. She now confessed that she was Mina. Mina admitted that the cause of her damnation was her prolonged immoral life with Jacob while his wife was still living. But a more specific cause for her eternal woes in hell was her unrepentant acts of child murder. Exorcist. You committed murder while you were still alive. Whom did you kill? Mina, bitterly. Little ones. Evidently, she meant her own children by abortion. How many did you actually kill? Most unwillingly, curtly. Three. No, actually four. During the times of rest between rituals, when Emma was conscious, she would tell everyone in the room she had constant visions of horrible battles between good and evil spirits. At last, on December 23rd, Emma jerked up out of bed and stood erect. Father Resinger began to bless her while the nuns tried to pull her back down onto the bed. Resinger demanded, quote, In the name of the Most Blessed Trinity, that at their departure the devil shall give a sign by giving their respective names. He shouted, Depart, ye fiends of hell! Be gone, Satan! The line of Judas reigns! Emma fell upon the bed, 
a piercing sound filled the room. Voices in the air began screaming, Beelzebub, Judas, Jacob, Mina. This was repeated over and over until they faded far away into the distance. Beelzebub, Judas, Jacob, Mina. To these words were added, Hell, Hell, Hell. Everyone present was terrified by this gruesome scene. It was the long-awaited sign indicating that Satan was forced to leave his victim at last and to return to hell with his associates. This would be the last exorcism, and Emma Schmidt, after 32 years of spiritual, emotional, and psychological torture, was free and able to live her life as a devout Catholic. What a messed up deal that was. Yeah, that, uh, I mean, the second I read even half, like the first half of that story, I was like, okay, this is what we got to talk about this week because I had only vaguely heard of this exorcism, mm-hmm. but I have, I had not heard about it or not read enough about it. And to the extent that I did for the research and it to have that, that transcript was, it was like it, when I was reading it and when I was imagining it in my head, it was like another version of the exorcist movie. That's crazy. Too. It was so detailed. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's something else. The, the, uh, the content, the speed, and the fact that Judas showed up. Judas, Judas Iscariot was there. He was one of the demons in there. Yeah, that. Yeah, she right. had she had a a a soldier of or a, a general of of Lucifer, Beelzebub, and and Judas, and she had her her father and her father's mistress were all taking possession of he her. He betrayed Jesus for fifteen silver pieces and ended up in hell and yep. as a demon. Yep. Or hanging himself. Or hanging yep. himself, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Pretty crazy, huh? That is nuts. Yeah. That's a good one, though, man. Yeah. Now, like I said, I never heard of that one. No. Then again, how would you? That's a smaller state. Less, you know. It happened he, in, in like 1928. Yeah. So it's it. the memory of that thing faded years ago. So it's kind of neat digging these kind of things up. And, I mean, you know, it, it gets buried after, you know, when you find out, like, people who are interested in, like, the exorcist, you know, they come across these, the case of Roland Doe, who was exorcised in 1949, which was after this. Yeah. Um, and then they, people who are interested in the, the exorcism of Emily Rose, which was based on the exorcism of Annalise, um, would learn about that. But uh, we there's no, quote-unquote, well-known movie. I mean, there are movies based on this case but they're more like direct to video direct dvd type things yeah so they didn't get the theatrical treatment so of course it's going to be buried amongst the other two more famous cases yep and i think i've seen a couple of clips of actual exorcisms happening and yeah i have too i haven't seen any that violent but i have seen stuff and it's bone chilling enough as it is experiencing something like that is crazy and i'm going to tell you what i give mad props to those nuns and those priests for hanging in there. Steel nerve. I, I'm serious. Yeah. Getting thrown around, but yet mm-hmm. staying, sticking it out, especially when you hear all these voices. You hear the devil. You hear Judas. You hear all these cursed voices yeah. screaming all those profanities and threats. And just and they stuck it out. They, they stuck st- it out, yeah. I mean, there were, there were times where they said they were so scared they ran out, but you know they came back. And, mm-hmm. and that was the thing. They came back to help this poor woman. They're like, wait, wait, wait. We can't We're, run. We got to go do this. Yeah. Well, you got God on your side. You can stand up against anything like that. Amen. All right, buddy. Well, why don't you tell the fine folks at home where they can find us? Indeed. You can find us on the fourthhand.com network, uh, as well as our other project, What the Suck. Uh, you'll also find several other good shows there. Lots of great people. Lots of good shows. I say it every week, and I'm going to keep on saying and it. And we mean it every week. That's right. 
We are uh, also, of course, on the Big Evil Facebook under State of Fear, and we are also on Instagram under State of Fear. And we encourage you to follow us, uh, like us. Please go in, listen to the episodes, rate them, review them. We are on Google Podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on CastBox, Spotify. We are everywhere you listen to podcasts. Chris has done an outstanding job of getting us out there. So take advantage of his hard work. Get and, out there and listen to it. And go rate and review us. We want Please. to hear reviews. We want to hear if you, whether you like it or not. And if you have any ideas for uh, shows, send it to us. Uh, email us at stateoffearpodcast at gmail.com. If you have a personal story, don't forget, at the end of every episode, we have a personal story as told by the person that experienced it. Um, and if you have a personal story or personal encounter that happened in any state, doesn't matter what state it is, and you want it to be on the show, uh, email it to us in a wave or mp3 form uh, be sure to include your name uh, what state it happened in around what time frame it happened in and then give us a story and then uh, email it to us again at state of fear podcast at gmail.com and we will put it on the show with the corresponding state yeah so send them on in guys so all right this is chris and i am ready to hit that road and get to the next state how about you absolutely this is james and we'll see you down the road folks